Languishing in level two. Businesses are hemorrhaging. A Kiwi Bill nightmare. Get them their money back and say sorry. And sharp elbows in Manurewa. Louisa is known to not suffer fools. Kia ora and welcome to One News Inside Parliament. It's a weekly catch-up about the political stories we've been covering on One News as we head towards the election. I'm Benedict Collins. I'm Mikey Sherman. And I'm Jessica Much Mackay. So guys, what are some of the interesting things that have been going on around Parliament this week, do you think? Yeah, look, um, one of the interesting and noteworthy things, um, I guess, is um, Labour's Māori MPs deciding to uh, go back onto the Labour Party list. Um, This election, of course, last election, they made the strategic move to bring themselves off the list. They wanted to give Māori voters a sort of um, choice, you know, you either want us or you want um, the Māori Party candidates. There is no sort of two-for-one deal in terms of um, giving the Māori Party candidates your um, electorate vote and then um, hoping that we'll get in on the party list. So they made that decision strategically last time. It worked out for them. They obviously had a clean sweep in those Māori seats. Um, But this time round they've decided to go back onto the list and I can only read into that that perhaps maybe they are feeling a little bit nervous. That's not to say that um, you know the the odds aren't in their favour. They certainly are. It's going to be a, a shit show, a, an uphill battle um, for um, anyone contesting those um, Maori seats against those um, incumbent Labour MPs. Um, but you know, if they were so confident, then perhaps one would think that they would continue with that strategy and try to get a few more Maori in on the list. But obviously, um, not. So they've moved themselves back onto the list. And really interesting as well, the whole issue of diversity, not just Māori, but other, but different voices and different cultures as well has been a big topic of conversation for the National Party. So I think it's something that we're going to see uh, political parties really conscious of going forward as they should. Yeah, no, I think if I was a um, uh, Labour Māori MP, I'd want a bit of security and be on the list there as well. I mean, you'd, you know, you'd take a, a big gamble by not being on that list, or maybe not a huge gamble, depending on which seat you're on, but you know it's a gamble that none of your colleagues are taking, right? Um, yeah, absolutely, so, so huge gamble. Why, why wouldn't yeah. you? When, and when there you are think a couple, a couple of uh, seats there that that could be um, worth a watch at least. And so you know, if you if you're in that seat, yeah, you probably would want to go back on the list. And you, you can't know. have only some go on the list and not yeah. all of them. So it was a sort of everyone goes back on or none of them yeah, go you, back on. You know, your, your whole career is sort of. You know, you know, on the line if you if you did lose your seat if you're not on the list. So yeah, um, I, I think it's fair enough. Absolutely. Hey, one of the things I thought was quite interesting this week, and this is um, you know, pretty inside stuff, but um, there's a, a bit of confusion in a select committee um, this week. Um, I think it was finance and expenditure committee, and it was pretty interesting stuff that was going on there. And David Seymour raised a question because um, we were all sitting in our office um, watching on Zoom because journalists aren't allowed in there at the moment. And David Seymour said, "Oh, hey, what, what's going on? There's all this space here um, in the select committee room. Why, why are the media not allowed?" And um, it quickly was established that it's the Speaker Trevor Mallard who's saying, "Hey, look, no journalists aren't allowed to attend select committees at the moment. They have to just watch watch on Zoom." Um, but but the committee said, "Hey, this this is crazy." Um, and D- David Seymour pointed out that you know government officials have been sitting shoulder to shoulder in that select committee earlier on. Um, and, and, and so the committee passed a resolution saying, yes, the media are now allowed in to watch and, and cover the select committee in there. Um, and then the speaker again sort of came in and said, no way, you, you guys are not allowed in to cover this meeting. So it's kind of an interesting situation where you've got government officials allowed in 
to these select committees, but the media um, are still excluded. And Trevor Mallard's argument for that, obviously, is because of the COVID restrictions a- trying to social yeah, yeah, distance. Sure. But it does seem unfair if, if there's a whole lot of officials who are allowed in there and then journalists are, are given different treatment and the, to the, that. The so. MPs in there, I think that um, it was chaired by um, uh, Deborah, Deborah Russell, Russell. She, they, they clearly felt that it was you know, completely mm. appropriate for journalists to be in there. Obviously, the Speaker you know, views it differently. Yeah, my um, interesting or noteworthy thing was that Simon Bridges was back in Parliament this week after the leadership coup and came to caucus on, on Tuesday. And usually what happens in caucus run is the MPs all, all walk through the corridor and the, the leader obviously w- walks through a separate corridor and he's always talked to. So mm. Simon Bridges' office is now um, down by near the press gallery in the corner, which shows... Um, Shows what their what their thoughts are on his office placement. If he's so close to the media, um, but his office is in the corner there, and he has to walk up through the corridor like a normal MP. And it's just, I think it's difficult for everyone to adjust to those the new situation. You've got Simon Bridges, who of course was the leader, now coming in as a normal MP, talking about um, fighting for Tauranga. But his stance was, I'm back. I'm going to fight for National in the election. Todd Muller making it clear that he get, he'll get he get a cabinet position if National win the election. So I think, you know, for, for Simon Bridges, not probably not easy walking along that corridor, but came back, um, sucked it up, professional, back into caucus. Yeah, I, I asked Simon um, how he'd spent the last week, and he said um, him and his family, they've been discovering board games that they hadn't played <laughs> in a long time. So that was really good, but apparently a few of his kids threw tantrums um, while they were playing these board games. I did ask Simon if that was because he had been cheating, but he, he insisted that wasn't. He, he had been playing fair, he said. Tantrums from MPs, tantrums from kids, I'm sure he's <laughs> yeah, done a bit of yeah, that. Yeah. Um, another noteworthy thing um, for this week as well, uh, not politically related, but, but newsworthy uh, nonetheless, is the Madeleine McKenna can case now there's been a, a development today um, with in that case and I think for I was Europe correspondent from 2013 to 2015 and and then it was a massive topic um, I did many many stories on little developments and 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 hope that she may be found alive and and I think it was always one of those big stories that you that you thought as a journalist might break on your watch um, now of course six years well, five years later, um, the there is that big development today, and I just think it's one of those stories that's captivated our attention for 13 years, and perhaps today some answers for the family. So let's see. When did she go missing? 13 years ago. Right. So she was four at the time. She would have been 17, which blows my mind. Yeah. So it it just has been a story that has. There have been so many red herrings along the way as well. Often you feel, oh, hey, there's a new development, and then it kind of peters out again. Yeah, and just so many, so many what ifs. But I I think for for most of us, if we say Madeleine McCann, people know Mm. who she is and and know the backstory. So let's see how that develops. In terms of um, uh, capturing attention, obviously this week, um, huge, huge um, global movements and and uprisings uh, to do with Black Lives Matter um, and that movement obviously following the death of um, George Floyd and we saw uh, New Zealanders get involved here um, and and protest um, in Auckland there, um, people getting out. So that was 
was um, and, captivating and here, to see. And, and, and here at yep. Parliament as well, even in the rain, people sort of um, standing out here on the on the lawn of Parliament. Um, and you know, off the back of that, we obviously saw um, uh, Susie Wiles um, uh, come out and say, "Look, people need to um, isolate for 14 days." Well, and recommended that they do. A recommended that they yep. do, and that the Prime Minister also um, showing her disappointment, although she understands the sentiment. I think is, was her words. Um, she was disappointed to see people not social distancing. Um, and then you had Ashley Bloomfield come out and say, look, actually you don't need to um, self-isolate for 14 days because there is no community transmission. So a little bit of confusion, I thought, um, from, from our leaders um, in, that, in that specific area there. And of course, um, that also gave way to a lot of the discussion, which we'll talk about soon, around Level 1 and moving to Level 1. Can I just add to that? I think one of the most extraordinary moments this week was the press conference, uh, the, the photo opportunity from President Trump walking out of the White House in response to China calling him out for going into the bunker. He came out and did an extraordinary photo op where they cleared the protesters away and he held a Bible in front of uh, a, a church that had been that had been um, destroyed in the protests. And I just think um, that will be one of the one of the photo opportunities that really goes down in history um, for its its unique nature and quite an extraordinary thing. And also watch. the National Guard on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. Yeah. That was that was a you know hugely impactful photo as well. So yeah. Seeing that photograph. It's been like sort of horrifying as well. Seeing like media repeatedly being attacked by police over there, and you can't help but wonder whether it's the the whole fake news, you know, the media are the enemy kind of sentiment that Trump runs that sort of emboldened the police to attack journalists as well? I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, there is that, and, and I guess maybe we're digressing a little bit, but I think these days the um, line of, of, you know, traditionally it would be a camera operator and a journalist, and perhaps if you're in a small area, you know each other. So I think when we go to protest with police, often we're left alone because the the police know us um, or we're wearing um, very visible One News and that's a known brand to them. But I guess um, these days, someone picking up a camera, you know, could be filming for their for their um, website could be, I think the lines are a bit more blurred and I think the police are less um, tolerant of, of that. And I also think that when you're moving people back, you know, we've seen journalists um, being caught up in that. But I do, I do wonder if that that's a that's a sign of the times as well that we, media aren't getting that pass anymore because it's interna- it's often international media going in. I don't know. I just think that it's a it's a complex issue on on lots of lots of ways. And, but a, and speaking of complex issues, we are moving <laughs> to uh, level one. Um, nice segue. Po- quite, that's good. quite possibly. Yeah. Um, what so we get the official announcement on on, on Monday? Yes. So right? Monday cabinet will decide, uh, and then. All bets would be on um, going at Wednesday Next at midnight, bit, like yeah. we've done before. So yeah. 48 hours for everyone to get organised and get ready. So um, there were calls this week, obviously, for it to to be sped up. Why are we not doing it? We had the leaked cabinet papers to the National Party yesterday showing that mm. once community transmission has reached 28 days... Well, once there hasn't been a case of community transmission, yeah. right? For yes, sorry, days. sorry. Yeah. So for yeah. 28 days, yeah. we, we are clear to go. We've had 33 days of that now. So I just think it's it's interesting and the Prime Minister saying, hold, hold, we just need to, we've only opened up to 100 over the weekend. We need to see that through for a cycle. So 
I, I just wonder, I don't know what you guys are feeling, but I feel like people are like, let's just do it, let's go. Well, I think people have given up. Yeah. I, th- I think after the Black Lives Matters protests and you had Ashley Bloomfield come out and say, hey, oh, no, no need to self-isolate. We haven't, we don't have, there's no evidence of community transmission. I mean, what's the point? Yeah. That's and I think, I see it. And if, maybe if you're not going to bother anymore, you know, with... And maybe, and I'm not sure, but maybe this is the first time that the government's kind of lost people a bit on it, and it's only for a few days, but I think there was a really um, high appetite for us to stick to the rules, yeah. call other people out, um, really do due diligence on this, and I think people are now like, oh, this is a bit silly. I wonder, though, how dangerous that is. I'm a little bit concerned mm. because we have seen second waves around the around the world, mm. um, and I think that, you know, I, I get it, you know, businesses are hemorrhaging, as Todd Muller has said, and, and they are struggling, and the longer we stay in, le- in level two, um, the longer it takes them to get back to full capacity, so we absolutely want to move, but I just hope that the messaging sticks with people that, you know, we still need that social distancing, we do still need to just be careful and contact trace and all of those things because we saw with, you know, our, you know, initial sort of booms in case numbers that it only takes one person to spark off a chain of cases. Um, And so I think that everyone just needs to be a bit more cautious um, uh, around sort of around our, our urgency and our, our need to move so quickly. I think on Mikey's point, it's also worth noting that it's not a fait accompli and if there if there is a, a couple of cases in the next few days, it'll, you know, we won't, we won't see a change. Cabinet won't make that decision. But I, I wonder the spike that we were predicting and, and modelling was predicting hasn't come and I wonder if that's made us But that made was us probably, you could argue, because we were in lockdown Absolutely. and yeah. we were yeah. in such strict control. Yeah. So when we let all of those controls loose mm-hmm. and, you know, the fear is, you know, of course we've seen those cases pop up four weeks later testing positive and things like that long tail of COVID. Yeah. So I just think, you know, there's obviously a, a huge keen desire to move to level one and I'm, and I'm all for that because of, you know, you know what what it will mean for the economy, but I think people also need not forget the threat that is still out there. That good quote, Mikey. And Sherman. also the other interesting <laughs> thing is how interesting was it She's that National had a leaked cabinet paper? I wonder yeah. who in cabinet. I mean, not naming names, but geez, I could think of a few but who would want to move to level one, think, who might yeah, have access who, to cabinet papers, who, who might could that possibly be. Slip I those wonder. Through yeah, to old mates. Yeah, I, I mean, know. I feel like New Zealand First has said, um, "Was it me?" Um, but yeah, really interesting. Shaggy situation. also said it wasn't me. <laughs> I, I'm glad that you picked up what I was putting down. <laughs> um, wow, we really cover all of the topics here yeah, on do. this podcast, don't we? Shall we move on to your story um, that you've been covering? I know you guys talked about last week in your podcast as mm. well, but a big development in that. Yeah, so this is the um, uh, the latest um, Kiwi build development to sort of hit the headlines for the wrong reason, um, and that was the Monarch development, a um, apartment complex in Wellington. You know, on paper, really, really cool. Ninety new apartments, forty-four of them Kiwi build, but it's been hit by repeated delays. And then, as we've um, on Saturday night, we ran a story. Um, Kiwi build buyers who are trying to get out of their contracts were getting hit by an exit fee. Now, the developer Ian Castles, to be fair to him, I've run several stories every time he's fronted up and given us his side of the story, which is really important. Impressive, you yeah, have to say. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and Mr. Castles, his view was, hey, look, these people have entered into a half a million dollar contract with me. I'm letting them out for about 1%. Um, you know, and he'd, he'd had costs, right? Uh, you know, legal costs at his end. He, he thought he has been more than fair. But then when you talk to the Kiwi Bill buyers, they'd say, hey, this is 10 on a $450,000, $500,000 
this is 10, 15% of my deposit. So they get involved with KiwiBuild. They end up, you know, wanting to get out because of the long delays, several year delay. Um, you know, they're expecting to move into their house next month, but it's been pushed out for two years. So they end up getting involved with KiwiBuild. They don't have a home and the deposit's taken a great big hit as well. So, you know, it depends whose lens you look at the issue through. And so anyway, we, we did a story on that anyway. Mr. Castle's obviously now. I understand the Kiwi Bill buyers were meeting with Grant Robertson last week. They went at their local MP urging um, assistance from him. Um, uh, Megan Woods as well. Um, you know, she, she'd been asked repeatedly about this issue by Nicola Willis, who's just taken over the housing portfolio for National. So good, good issue for um, Nicola to get stuck into in the house. Um, anyway. Come, come Monday, um, they obviously, or Tuesday after the long weekend, I think it was, Ian Castles obviously um, either had his arm twisted or reconsidered his position here, and he's going to let them out. For the next 10 working days, anyone who wants out, they can get out, they can cancel the contracts on these apartments, and he'll, they'll get all their money back. There's there's no fee. So, yeah, good good outcome there for those and, people involved. Yeah, yeah. And, you've, and obviously you've been speaking to multiple people who have... Who have um, first-hand experience of this who who have been wanting them so for them that'll be really welcome news they can decide what they want to do whether they want to stay in or whether they do want to get out so I think that's yeah and that's, that's a big important. decision for them to make I was talking to um, uh, one lady who's who's bought a Kiwi build house here and she's not sure mm. yet like in, in theory it's such a cool apartment and it's a great location mm. um, but she's she's just not sure that he will Mr Castles will be able to deliver this you know, in the latest deadline, which is June 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, Megan Woods also announced another change. That is, if you owned a tour or a three-bedroom apartment under Kiwi Build in this complex, you are going to be forced to live there for three years, or the government would take your capital gains, any capital gains that you made out of it if you left early. She's changed the rules there as well. So clearly, um, I mean, the housing minister has realised this is totally unfair, and she's moved to you know fix that. So that's. Yeah, you know, a good outcome there. Yeah, and I think that does make quite a big difference to people's lives. I know when I use my um, KiwiSaver to buy my um, first home, um, it, it was an apartment, and you can you stay in it for two years to be able to secure that, and that's that's fine when the apartment is built and I'm moving into it, and you think, okay, look, I can predict my life for the next two mm. years. But I do think for for particularly for younger couples or for people who have been wanting a first time to wait for a longer time it's a, it's a lot harder to know where you're going to be based if a job opportunity comes up if you want to move overseas if you have a child if you if a relationship breaks up all of those things so yeah. I just think it's it makes more sense to have that smaller time limit you have yeah, to stay there. I'm, I'm not sure but the housing minister changed it so now you'd only have to live in there for one year yeah, I'm not sure yeah. if I that was that was a little while ago uh, the, oh no, mine was oh, a little so, while so ago. So for the yeah. two and three bedroom apartments at Monarch, yeah. now now they wouldn't have to live there for three, just for one year yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really important. Mm. One of the other things I wanted to talk to you guys about is it feels like we've seen this this shift, and it feels like New Zealand First have got around a table and said, okay, right, we're now three months out from an election. Um, let's make sure we really assert ourselves with the government, um, show the gains that we've made, um, make sure we let the public know um, that we are the tail that wags the dog. And I feel like most elections, we see that happening about six months out, but because of COVID-19, they've had to wait a little while um, before doing that quite so publicly. But it just, don't you reckon it feels like in the last week they've just said, right, so now let's agitate, let's go. Yeah. And he's just publicly been coming out and saying, actually, I disagree with the Prime Minister on this. Um, this was what I or said at Cabinet. That press, press release he put out just this morning. 
Yeah, on um, commercial rent um, relief, yeah. which um, Labor and New Zealand First have been scrapping over like cats and dogs for a little wee while now um, to sort of get something on the table. Um, New Zealand First arguing that they want it to, to be um, targeted and not sort of open slather for anyone who wanted a bite of that pie. So we've seen a bit Cracking of that. Cracking a nut with a sledgehammer yeah, or something. Yeah, and said we didn't want to, yeah, crack a nut with a sledgehammer. We wanted it to be more targeted. Yeah. Of course, um, since then... Andrew Little has come out saying, look, it was never going to be a sort of um, open door policy for just anyone. It was always going to be targeted. So a little bit of to and froing there. And I guess that sort of started really um, with Winston Peters sort of last week or so, just starting to crack off about the need to move to level one. Now, mm. I feel like, you know, I definitely wouldn't say, look, here's New Zealand first throwing the government under the bus, throwing Labour under the bus. I think that's, that's wrong to categorise it in that respect. We've got an election coming up. They need to be doing this and so I think basically what we're seeing is a, is a free-for-all. Yeah. It's all a free-for-all now. Anyone can just come in on anything and and you know a couple claim, of months out from the election. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, claim yeah. the credit and I think <laughs> yeah. both both sides, Labour and New Zealand First, understand that. Haven't heard too much from the Greens, um, wondering when they're going to start sort of piping up and carving out their own sort of road for themselves to the election um, they'll need to do that because just like New Zealand First they have been dipping up and down around that 5% threshold um, but yeah it uh, certainly makes for fun times. Yeah let's tango over <laughs> the next few months let's go yeah. Hey and should we have a quick chat about I thought really interesting issue that um, you had a look on, set on um, at the weekend as well Mikey with Louisa Wall. How in, interesting yeah. is that? So what, what went on there? Well, so this is this is hugely interesting. This is obviously to do with Louisa War and her uh, Manurewa uh, electorate. Um, well, an electorate she's held with a strong majority since 2009. But obviously, you know, as we've seen, and, and it's no secret, especially around here at Parliament, she has rubbed people up the wrong way at times, and that has cost her. You know, she was the only member of Labour to score a big win for them while they were in nine long years of opposition, <laughs> and that was marriage equality. Um, she got that across the line, anyone in their right mind would have thought, yep, she's in line for a promotion. It didn't happen and you have to question why that was. Um, and it still hasn't happened you know, through their first term in government. And now we're seeing her being shifted sideways out of her electorate seat um, You know, from uh, a national level, I understand, in terms of the people that I've been talking with, at a national level and also at a local level. So she's lost the, the backing of her local LEC um, and that's why they've you know, put up a, a candidate against her, well they'd had, um, and then um, at a national level they also put up a candidate against her essentially which was um, the Arena Williams um, and so she had to pull out you know, she was threatening legal action against the party. That would have been messy going into an election. The other, you know, to her credit, though, uh, and a lot of her supporters say, look, she's loyal to the party and this shows that she is. You know, she was willing to do a deal. She was, um, you know, they say she was hard done by, um, but she, you know, decided, you know, we'll put the party first as long as you look after me, which they have. They've promised her a higher spot on the list. You look after me that way and I'll bow out gracefully and, and we'll call it, call it a day. And that's what happened. And yeah. so it ended up being... Being, you know, a two-horse race between the local candidate and the national candidate, essentially, um, and um, the national candidate won out, and that'll be Ardena Williams. And it's such a, a high majority seat that you know Labour holds. Sure it's just a sure bet. We'll see her come into Parliament. Another Maori MP. So interesting so, two, times. Two things I thought was interesting about it. One was I think it was Matt McCartan who described um, Lewis as having sharp elbows. Yes, I was, think in your track, which it I was, was so was good it. to see Matt McCartan back actually yeah. um, commentating. We haven't heard. 
from him in a, a little while. He obviously yeah. was working for uh, Labour, but he's not anymore. I thought that was an interesting um, description there. But Arana Williams, did she miss the deadline for applying as well? Or? She did miss the deadline for applying in terms of her nomination. She was a half an hour late putting in her nomination. Oh, and yeah. that, and on that basis, Louisa Wall was threatening legal action. Yeah. Right? And so even though she has won and she was announced as the winner on Saturday, um, you know, her, her, can, her counterpart, the guy that she was going up against, um, he's been trying to get that seat for a long time, I'm told. So I wouldn't be surprised if the party, if the drama wasn't over for the party and if he actually took up where Louisa left off and said look she got her nomination in late now yeah. the party yeah. has, which is what I'd be saying yeah, yeah. Him, right? well look the party interestingly enough they sought advice from Queen, Queen's Council and they're confident that they followed the rules and, and the constitution so they're happy and they, they feel comfortable and safe but still but rules are rules and they're there for a reason uh, and, and if anyone ever said that politics wasn't exciting like just stuff like this is so good you could be so parliament good. speaker with I, I, I felt, yeah, I've Wall never Stones. thought about that before, but I just kind of like the idea of sitting there in the big chair commanding yeah, the bet. space. Yeah, I'll, I'll have a little think about that. Um, mm. I also just think it's worth noting as well, Louisa Will, of course, is not only um, a, a member of parliament, but she had a really um, high-profile netball career before, and I just think on paper, um, such a such an asset um, as, an, as a member of parliament. So I just, it, it is really interesting looking at that. Yeah, but, it was a fascinating story. Yeah. Mm. So this was we're good yeah we're yep. good cool so this was one news inside parliament our weekly catch-up about the political stories we're covering as we head towards this year's general election we're on instagram twitter and facebook and it's available around this time ish each week on one news online and you can check us out on your favorite podcasting app